So, brother and sister, we were studying through the book of Mark, as you know. So, a few weeks ago, we went on a little bit of a, a rabbit trail, and, and we started doing a mini-series. We started talking about topics that, that came out of that book of Mark. You remember when Jesus came around and there was this man with an evil spirit in him, with a demon spirit? He was deaf, and he was uh, mute, he couldn't speak, and Jesus casted the demon out of him. And then these uh, scribes came from Jerusalem, these important people, the people who know their Bibles and can study all about the old scriptures came and uh, they said to him, you've got Beelzebub. Well, that opened up the door for us to talk about the unpardonable sin, the sin that cannot be forgiven. And we've got a whole sermon, it's already on the net on podcast, you can go and listen. And we saw that that sin was when Jesus was on the earth. That's when it happened. And that, that then went into another one that we started talking about, not grieving the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. I didn't plan to go there, and then I thought it's good if we talk about that, and we know now not to grieve the Holy Spirit because He's there to help us, to be with us and in us. The Bible says forever. And then we went a little bit further on, and we said, how do we and when do we receive the Holy Spirit? Because there's all of these things, all of the world in churches, and they come and they say, if you blow on people, or if you touch them, and all of these things, but we went back to the Scriptures, and we saw how and when the Holy Spirit was poured out, and we saw the part that Jews played in it, the Gentiles played in it, and once it came down to Paul, it is set in stone. And then we saw that when, when the Holy Spirit of God saved our souls, that moment He gives us the Holy Spirit to live in us. And we went to a lot of scriptures, and again, it is on the podcast. Now, last week I said we might return back to the book of Mark, didn't I? But then, after the service, there's a few people ask me questions, and then during the week I had questions... And that is about this topic here, which flows out of that. How do I know that I am saved? Pretty good question, isn't it? There's a lot of uncertainty in the world about people don't know that they are saved. If you walk up to somebody and you ask them and you say, do you know that you are saved? Some people will give you different answers. Some people will come to you and say, can you know? I don't know. Somebody said to me, you are safe now, and now I believe that person. But I've always got this doubt in my mind. Am I saved? Am I a child of God? When they talk about believers, am I one of those? When they talk about a child of God, am I one of those? And so it's a very good topic to touch on this morning, isn't it? Now again, like I said last week, I want to put in a disclaimer. I am by far not the final voice here. I'm not God, and I'm never trying to play God. And I'm not the Holy Spirit. The way that God saves people is up to God how He saves people. But He gave us the Word of God to follow, didn't He? And that's what we're going to do this morning by answering this question. How do I know that I am saved? And I want us to go first of all to 1 John chapter 5. Because we find a very interesting scripture verse here. I love this verse. In 1 John chapter 5 verse 13... John writes down, he says, these things, everybody say these things. He says, these things have I written unto you. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know, everybody say may know. That you may know that you have eternal life. 
and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Straightforward, isn't it? He says these things, and we need to ask the question, he says, written unto you, who is the who? Who is he writing here? He writes to them who believe. He's not writing to the world. The world don't believe in Jesus Christ, do they? They use his name as a curse word. For them, he's just a man. Historically, for some people, he's just a man. So why would they believe in him? He writes these words down to the believers. He says, I have written these things to you who believe. And why did he write it to them? Why did he decide to write these things to them? Because he wants them to know that they have eternal life and that they may believe on the name of the Son of God. This is why he wrote what he wrote in the Gospels, and this is also why he wrote <clears throat> in the previous parts of these letters. And this is what we need to follow. If you find these words here, these things have I written to you, you need to go and find the things that he, writ he wrote, wrote to them. And that's what we're going to look into the, today. So you see, there's two reasons why John writes this. That you may believe in the name of the Son of God, that is salvation. And that you may have eternal life. Now, there's a key here. The key is, salvation is knowledge and you can know that you have salvation. Salvation is knowledge. That's the key. Remember that. Salvation is knowledge. I, I've dealt with so many people over the years. If you ask them, how did you get saved? They can't tell you. Some people tell you a story of somebody came to them and the minute they touched them, there was sort of a tingling going through their body and they go, that was the sign. Now the Bible is not on signs and wonders and feelings. The Bible is on facts. It's on the Word of God. It's on the written Word. Yes, the Holy Spirit is there. What does the Spirit do? The Bible says the Spirit is our teacher. So what is the Spirit going to do? He's going to take the Scriptures and He's going to open it up for us to understand. But you have to have in your heart that willingness to come to the Word of God and gladly receive the Word of God. You see, I've preached so many times in the years for people, and the moment you start to open up the Word of God, you can see people just closing down. Closing down. And this is what he says. He says, I've written to those who believe. Believe you me, brother and sister. Those who believe don't close down. They want more. I've seen it. They want more. Give me more, Lord. And they study the word more. Now let's qualify this statement. Salvation is knowledge. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes to this young man. Okay, and he writes to him in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. And I'm just going to give you scriptures today. Okay, no story scriptures. He says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. You see that? This is good and acceptable in the sight of God. You may ask yourself now the question, wow, this is great to understand. What is good for God? What is acceptable for God? He answers the question right there. He says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men. Everybody say all. What does all mean? Well, I think it means all. I think it means everybody. And he says it here, it is good and acceptable in the sight of God that all men, that includes you, that includes me. Turn to the person next to you and say, that is you as well. 
He says that all mean to be what? To be millionaires. To make it in life. No, to be saved. So God wants people to be saved and to come to the what? The knowledge of the truth. Remember what I said to you, salvation is knowledge. People ask the question to me, they say, how do I know I'm saved? Here is the answer. It comes through knowledge. He says it right there. I'm not trying to bend the scriptures here. He says it right there. He says it is acceptable in the sight of God that all men be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now look at those words, the truth. I'm going to unpack that for you. He says, for there is one God, one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So listen to me, brother and sister. Jesus Christ came and he gave himself as a ransom for you so that you may be saved. Selah. Think about it. What is good and acceptable in the will of God, in, in the eyes of God? That you be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And again, if you listen to people and you ask them, when were you saved? How, how, how did this happen? You get conflicting messages and this is why. God works with everybody in a different way. But it's understandable here to know that He wants you to be saved and you come to the knowledge of the truth. Now we had a scripture verse last week, which I thought about. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. Because when I saw the word truth there, and this is how I do Bible study, I go, I want to know what he's talking about when he talks about the word of truth. Then in Ephesians, Paul, the same man who wrote to Timothy, now writes to this church in Ephesus, and he writes this down. He says, in him you also trusted. You see that word? It means that you've put all of your trust in somebody or something. It's a word of faith. The word trusted is a word of faith. He says, in whom you trusted. The him there is Christ Jesus. After you heard the what? The word of truth. There is the word of truth. See, he says, I, that it is acceptable in the sight of God that you be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Here he says to them, after you heard the word of truth. The statement says that Knowledge is salvation. Okay? We go back. We're proving our statement. Salvation is knowledge. And he says it right there. The gospel of your salvation. So what is the word of truth? The gospel of your salvation. The gospel is the word of truth. And then he goes on. He says, in whom also you have believed. There's the word believed. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed with that spirit who is the guarantee of the inheritance, the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. What is the word doing to you when you see that? It should build your faith. It should answer your question, can I know that I'm saved? John says, yes, you can know that you are saved. He says it. He says, these things I've written to you who believe. This is what he say, that you may know you have eternal life. Now, this is a statement again. He says, you know you are saved once you come to the knowledge of truth. You need to know what you believe in. So, you know you are saved once you come to that knowledge of truth. To the knowledge of truth. 
Salvation is knowledge. You need to understand something about what's happening to you. You need to know that. Look, he writes again to Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14, he says to Timothy, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and has been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that, listen to this now, from childhood you have known the what? The Holy Scriptures. Now, it amazes me. It amazes me that there are people who call themselves children of God, but they never go to the Holy Scriptures. They never go to the Holy Scriptures. Let me tell you, brother and sister, when you are born again, you get a hunger for the Word, because you know more about the one who saved you. There are churches now who don't preach the Holy Scriptures anymore. And I want to say this morning, they are in error. If you go away from the Word of God, you go away from the knowledge of salvation. If you go away from the Word of God and the knowledge of salvation, you will not have salvation. You will have people who's been hyped up. You will have altar calls and people coming out, being present by their friends to go to the front. They say a short prayer and then they've got false security. That's what it is. There is some kind of knowledge that you need to know about your salvation. Straightforward. And look, I might rock a few uh, theologians and I might rock a few doctrines this morning, but it doesn't matter. It's the Word of God. He says it right there. He says, you have known the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Now, what did this Scriptures benefit this young man? You may ask the question, which are able to make you wise for what? Salvation. You see, there it is. There is knowledge involved here. When he studied the scriptures, something happened within that young man. When he listened to sermons who are scriptural, something happened in that young man. He realized something. It wasn't just a feeling. Listen, if feelings played a part in all of our gospel, Jesus would never have died on the cross. He went to the cross because it was written in the Old Testament that he was going to go to the cross. It was written, it was prophesied, it was scripture. And he followed it to the cross. And here we see the same thing. He says he followed the Holy Scriptures from childhood which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in whom? In Christ Jesus. You ask me the question this morning, can I know that I'm saved? I'm telling you this morning, there's knowledge that surrounds salvation. You need to know the knowledge. If you understand the knowledge of salvation, you will know that you are saved. You will know. But don't fear, we're on our way. Okay, we're going to talk about it today. Now, John the Baptist was really interesting because the same thing happened here in Luke chapter 1. Look at this. Luke chapter 1 verse 76. He says, and you, child, he was talking about John the Baptist, will be called the prophet of the highest. For you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways. Now look at verse 77. To give what? Knowledge. To give knowledge of what? Of salvation to his people. So what did John the Baptist do? He just came and he gave knowledge of salvation to the people for the remission of their sin. What am I doing when I preach here every Sunday? I give knowledge of salvation. That's what I do. 
And listen, this sermon is for those who are saved and for those people who sit in the room and feel that I, I might not be saved. This is a sermon for you. This is for you to gain some kind of knowledge. And my prayer is that if you are not saved, that you will receive the knowledge of salvation today. It is important that you receive that knowledge of salvation. And I'm going to show it to you. It is so important. You see, again, there is knowledge involved here. There is knowledge involved here. Now, the question here this morning while we're busy with babies is, what is it that you must know? What is it that you must know? What is this knowledge that he's talking about? You know, I've been preaching now for 10 minutes and it's all about knowledge of salvation, knowledge of salvation, things you need to know that you know that you are saved. You know, you can't say to people, I know that I know that I know that I know, and then you say, I know what? So what is this knowledge? There's three things that I'm going to give you. Then we're going to pray and then we're going to have food. Okay? Three things, but I want you to concentrate and think and test. Okay? What is the things that you and I need to know? What is the things that... John the Baptist came to give the people. What is this knowledge? What is the knowledge that uh, Paul writes to Timothy? He says the scriptures gives you the wisdom for salvation. What is the knowledge that he wrote here and he said when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of salvation? What is it that we need to know that we know we are saved? First of all, brother, sister, you need to know that you are lost. You are lost. Luke chapter 19 verse 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is one of the biggest issues in the church that I find. And this is what sometimes I've got against these altar calls that they do in mass. You know, I go to a rally, and I've been to a rally before by a, a really famous preacher from America in New Zealand, and we sat there, and he preached, and then the next day they said, oh, 2,000 people came to the front and committed their hearts to the Lord. Well, that is all good and well. They committed themselves, but the question that I've got is, did God commit himself to them? Because sometimes, and I've seen this happen, you know, people sit there and us, they are, they're all into this thing, you know, the crowds. We saw it at the Lord's table, didn't we? We can hype a crowd up to say, kill him, crucify him. The whole crowd want to do that. And if you sit in a crowd and your emotions are hyped up, what do we do? You just bump the guy next to you. And this is what they were taught and say, do you want to go to the front? Oh yeah, why not? Let's go to the front. They go to the front, say a two-minute prayer, and they walk away. Where is the knowledge involved in this? Now I must say also, I'm not doubting that some people truly came to the Lord at those things. Because here is a man who did. You know, I was sitting in a service one day at the back there, and the preacher preached the word, and you know, everything he preached from the front, and he didn't know me and I didn't know him, everything he preached is as if he pointed his finger on my chest and he'd say, that is you. Now, what work day? Was it the man? No. It was the Holy Spirit who worked on me. And that day, I went out in an altar call. But you know what I realized when I went out and what that sermon taught me there is that I am lost. And look at me, you know, I was this young man and I was really fit and I was, well, you know, I had a lot of friends and I was very popular. But I realized at that moment I'm lost. I didn't have all of that knowledge at once. Later on the knowledge came, but I knew I was lost. And I truly know that that day when I stood there, the Lord saved my soul. And then, you know, I started to understand how I'm lost. 
You know, it, it is really, um, I don't know if you know this man, Paul Washer, but Paul Washer was talking one day about a man who was sitting, and there was an altar call, and this one rough-looking guy went to the front, and they prayed for him. But Paul Washer thought he wasn't finished with this man. And he said the man sat in the front row when everything was finished, and he went and he sat next to him, and he said, do you realize what happened now? He says, no. He says, no, I just came to the front because everybody went to the front, and I thought I should go to the front. And, and Paul Washer said it took him 16 hours talking to this man for him to realize that he is lost and he is a sinner. He said the moment that that man realized that he was lost, the Lord saved him. He said it's too easy today. We live in a McDonald's and a Hungry Jack's and a Burger King society. We want salvation and we want it now. And, and you know what? God will give it. But He's not going to throw his, his pearl before the swines. And then we find people coming and then they fall away and they walk away and people say, oh, there you see, there's that doctor and they say that you can fall away. But was these people ever, were they ever saved? And this is one of the things that you need to know, that you are lost. In Psalm 53, I find this very fascinating when uh, the psalmist writes, he says to this chief musician, uh, those words, he says it there, look at those words, he says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Now, you wouldn't like it when I walk over to you and say, you are a fool, would you? You'd say, you are rude. But it is the truth. It is the fool who says there is no God. They are what? Corrupt and have done abominable iniquities. This is sin. There is none who does good. And there you were sitting and you say, hey, but I'm better than my sister. I'm better than my brother. You know, I do all of these things and they don't do it. You know, when we pray, I close my eyes and they don't close their eyes. You know, there I am. I'm thinking I'm a good person. Every now and then, and now and then I give somebody something. It makes me feel good. I'm a good person. But what does the Bible say? The Bible says there is none who does good. Nobody. And then he says, God looks down from heaven upon the children of men. Not Christians. The children of men. Who are they? That's the whole world. God looks down from heaven and let it be known today that God's eyes are on everybody in this room. Every day of your life. He's looking down into your life. He's looking down upon you, what you do. You think you're going to go into the closet and hide from God? You can't hide from God. He knows where you are, and He looks down from you. And what, why does He look down? God looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand. You see, there's our word knowledge again, yeah? Yes? With knowledge come what? Understanding. God sees if there's any who understand who seek God. Who seek God. Have you ever been to a baby's when they were born? Have you seen when they come out of the nursery, when they take them out, and you see them for the first time? Have you ever, ever seen a baby who goes, Praise God, I will serve you forever. No, they were born in a sinful nature, just as you and I. He says, they see God. Every one of them has turned aside. How many? Every one of them has turned aside. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not one. They are workers of iniquity with no knowledge. 
This is why I say salvation is knowledge. Salvation is knowledge. It's something that you need to know. And the first thing you need to know, my brother and sister, is that you are lost. The world don't want to hear it. Because the world says, you know, if you're lost, then you're weak. Weak. You are so weak. No, you need to be strong. Strong people don't talk this kind of thing about lost. Who wants to be lost? Because if you say you're lost, you need to be found. What did Jesus say he came into the world? To seek and to find those who are lost. So brother and sister, if you are lost this morning, you're in a good place. Because he's going to seek you. Now let's quickly continue on. Romans chapter 3 verse 21. He says, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed. What is revealed? The righteousness of God. What does the word righteousness mean? It means to live a life acceptable to something. And in this way, it says that the life that you and I have to live, which is acceptable to God, has been revealed to us. Being witnessed by the law and the prophets. It says that in your Bible, when you read through the Old Testament, it was all talking about the righteousness of God. And guess this. The law is a tutor which showed you and me that we cannot do that. Every time you want to be a good boy and a good girl, guess what? The law and the prophets were telling you that you were not measuring up to the righteousness of God. And you and I know that we can't. Because if you say you're not going to do something, guess what's going to haunt you? It's like children. When you say to them, don't touch that thing, what do they do? They touch it. And this is what, what God says. He says, my children don't sin. And what do we do? Come on, tell me. We sin. He said it to Adam. He said, oh, wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. I'm better than Adam. Are you? Are you better than Adam? No. I read in chapter 5 that you were born out of the lineage which is after Adam's likeness. Which is a sinful likeness. You're not a good boy and a girl. You're a lost boy and a girl. That's what you need to understand. That's part of salvation. You need to understand this. He says it right here. He says the righteousness of God is revealed to us by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So what is he saying? Let me just quickly give you. He says there's the Old Testament, which is a shadow of the substance. The substance is Christ. He says the righteousness was written in the law. You had to follow it by rules. And you know what we like to do? We like to break rules. And it's hard to follow rules. He says, but what happened in the New Testament? Christ Jesus came. And within Him, He showed us the righteousness of God. And only one man could live up to God's righteousness. And it was Jesus Christ Himself. Only one. You say, but wait a minute, there's a monk locked up in a mountain somewhere who's, who's away from all people, and I say to you, that is not. That man is a sinner if he doesn't come to Christ. And here he says it. He says that righteousness of God through faith, everybody say faith, in Jesus Christ to all who, what? Believe. For there is no difference, for all have sinned. Everybody say all. And fall short of the glory of God. Does that include you? It includes all of us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So if you ask me this morning, I don't know whether I'm saved. Can I know? The Bible says, yes, you can know. But first of all, you need to understand and know the knowledge that you are lost and you're a sinner. 
who needs a Savior. If you've never come to that point, then I, I highly recommend yourself to come before God and pray this prayer and say, Lord, show me my sin. And believe me, He will show it to you. And look, I don't even have to ask you to do that because you know yourself. You know yourself. You know the naughty things you do when people don't look. You know the naughty things you think when people don't, don't, don't hear. And this is what God also knows. But this is the salvation. This is the knowledge of salvation. First, you need to understand that you are lost. Uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Let's have a look at this now. He says, Therefore, just as through one man, our, our, our big grand-grand-grand-grandfather Adam, sinned into the world and death through sin, and thus death spread to what? All. Everybody say all. Because all sinned. I think it's pretty clear. You know what I hear sometimes preached now from pulpits? People say, no, you are, you are generally there's some good in you. No, 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 don't go down that road. Because if you go down that road, then we need to preach Jesus. And you know, we don't want to preach Jesus. But let's not go there. You see, what is the result of being lost or saved? We need to address this. In Hebrews chapter 29, verse 27, it says, As it is appointed for men to die once. We're preaching from a funeral home. What does this remind us of? We're all appointed to die once. And you know, I want to say to you, brother, sister, I'm not afraid of death anymore. Because he gave me life. And if you've got a death fear for death, then you need to call on Christ and say, Lord, where does this fear come from? But here he says, he says, it's appointed for men to die once. It's going to happen. But after this, the judgment. There's a judgment after you. I wouldn't even fear about death. I would fear judgment if you're not saved. That's what I would fear. Don't worry about death. That is the easy part. The difficult part here is judgment. Let's say it as it is. He says it right there. He says, and after this judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. So in the previous verse, we said, all have sinned. All have sinned. All have sinned. Here he comes and he writes and he says, Christ has offered once to bear the sins of many. Why didn't he say all? Have you ever asked yourself the question? He didn't say, hey, come and bear the sins of all. To who is it? To those who gain the knowledge of lostness of sin and those who trust in Him and those who believe. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. You need to understand the Scriptures, brother and sister, and this is so serious. This is the most serious message that you might hear for this year or the last five years, if you haven't heard this before. And if somebody, nobody came to you ever and said that you're a sinner, today I'm standing in front of you. And if you get mad at me, I'm just a messenger here this morning. But I'm telling you this morning, you need to understand that you are lost and you need a Savior and there is a judgment coming. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why do I come here every Sunday and give up my time and set up this hall and preach? It's because I know of this judgment and I do not want anybody to go to this judgment as condemned. We need to understand this. In verse 28, he says, So Christ offered once. Where did that happen? The cross. Once. 
He went to the cross to bear our sins. To those who eagerly wait for Him will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. Now listen to me carefully. This is a second death. The Bible talks about a second death. This is not this body. This body will die and go back to the grave. But your soul, your soul could be deemed to live with Him in heaven or be in the internal damnation in the lake of fire. Look at this. He says there is a judgment coming and there is wages. Everybody of us who's got a job work for what? You work for wages. Even if you've got your own business, you work to get something out of it, isn't it? So you work, you do something, and your boss judges you, and according to your work, they pay you. Am I right? So if you don't do a good job, what's going to happen soon? They're going to come to you and say, we don't want you to work here anymore. Then you're not going to earn wages. So is our lives. Every single thing you do, every single thing you do, my brother and sister, is gaining wages. There is a consequence, and the consequence for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And somebody shout hallelujah. The gift of God is eternal life. Hallelujah. In Christ Jesus our Lord. So I just got a quick diagram for you. You know that the cross is the center of your gospel. It's the center of my preaching in this church. And we know that the knowledge of salvation he gives to his people. And what is this knowledge that he gave us in this verse? That he will bear the sins of many on the cross. That's what he says. So you need to come to the cross and bow at the cross and confess and say, Lord, I am a sinner. I've sinned against you. I accept. I learn in the Bible that I'm lost. I'm a sinner. I think I'm good, but I'm not. I'm a sinner. And once you do that, what does he do? He saves you. And when you're saved, you are going to heaven, brother and sister. But if you're lost, the other way is going down. And let me just say again, because there's some people who preach that there is not a hell. They're in for a massive surprise. A massive surprise I hope they don't get. But the Bible says there is a hell and it's a literal place. And there's also a teaching which I find now that's coming out that says hell is only for a short time and then those people will also go to God. That is unfair. It's not just. And we serve a just God. He will not. Purgatory doesn't happen. There is no purgatory. That is a fabrication from the pit of hell. Okay? So when you die, you will stand before the judgment of God. And there is one of two ways you can go. You can go and live for eternity with Christ, or you go to eternal damnation. So it's a really heavy message this morning, isn't it? So what's the first thing we know about salvation? We learn about our sin. We are lost. We are lost. You see, this is what he says. The second thing that we learn and knowledge is salvation is not by works but by faith. That's the second thing that we need to know about salvation. Galatians chapter 3 verse 2. This, is, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit when we now determine that you receive the Spirit when you are saved by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? You see, the works of the law is Old Testament. And a few verses back, I showed you that that only brings you to the cross. Or by the hearing of faith. We are living in the dispensation of grace. Thank you, God, for the dispensation of grace.
Because let me tell you, brother and sister, tavail, that's a South African word, okay? I'm running out of uh, English words now. I need to preach quickly now, Oscar. While you still breathe, you've got the opportunity to cry out to God. That is grace. You did not deserve it. That's mercy. So while you can still feel that, and you're not safe, you've got an opportunity. Now I know some people because I deal with young people. I know some people say, but listen preacher, that's fine. I still got to live my life. I still want to party around and I still got a lot of things to do. I will work all my life and I will do everything and party. And when I'm your age preacher, that's when I'll cry unto the Lord and, re- and say, Lord, yes, all these years I know I'm a sinner. And all of these years I need to know that. I- but today is the day. Let me warn you. That day will not come for you. Say what? I say yes, because every single day that you know the truth and the knowledge and you reject the knowledge and the truth, it's like a callus on your hand. It gets harder in here and harder and harder and harder. And who are you to tell me that in 20 years from now, your heart's going to become soft all of a sudden? So you are telling me that you are really gambling. That's what you're saying. He's saying, I've got the dice in my hand. And Lord, if it falls on six, that's when it's going to happen and you throw that dice. And you've got one in six chance. Let me tell you, if you want to live that lifestyle, I'm telling you, you haven't got one of six chances. The odds are way more against you. And this is another fact. How do you know you're going to live another 20 years? How do you know this? And here is the thing, brother and sister, it is what we need to understand that the first thing we learn, knowledge of salvation is that we are lost, we need a Savior. Secondly, salvation is not by works, uh, it is by faith, it's nothing, all the good things you do. You know, I've had people coming around, they say, oh, you know, I'm so afraid that I'm going to sin tomorrow, and tomorrow I'm going to lose my salvation. I go, have you understood that you are lost, and that you are lost, there's somebody who will come and save you, his name is Jesus. Once he did that, he will save you yesterday, today, and for tomorrow. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, For by grace you have been saved through faith. That is not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast about it. Salvation is not by works, it's by faith. Titus chapter 3 verse 4. But when the kindness of the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared. Look at this now. When the kindness of the love of God, our Savior toward man, appeared. How did it appear? Through Jesus. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. Again, I'm telling you. You can't come to me and say, you know, I'm the best worker in my firm. When they say, who's the number one best worker in this company? It's me. That doesn't help you. Oh, I've given money to a homeless guy this week. That makes me good, doesn't it? No, it doesn't help you. It says it there, not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to the mercy He saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior, that having been justified by grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So brother and sister, salvation is not by works, it's by faith. That's what we learn. You see that salvation is knowledge? Let me give you another verse. Romans 4.4 4. 
You see, it's just verses. We're just going verses, don't we, Glenn? Just what the Bible tells us. Now he says, now to him who works. What about that man? Romans chapter 4, verse 4. The wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. Oh, I love this verse. I love this verse. I've got a few friends. I've got a few friends who sent me, you know, they take me on about this. Oh, no, you know what? You know, we need to live nice lives and so on. Yes, after the cross, the works you do count lots for you. Before the cross, it counts for nothing. The Bible says that our best works is like filthy rags. That is before the cross. But once you are saved, the works that you've done will be counted as righteousness. This here he says now. He says, the wages are not counted as grace, but as a debt. But to him who does not work, but believes. On him who justifies the ungodly, his faith has accounted for righteousness. I think the Bible is clear, isn't it? I can just read the verses in context and you will understand. So salvation is not by works, it is by faith. One last verse before we go to the third point. Galatians 2.16. He says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So it is by faith. So what is the two things that you need to know about salvation? Number one, you are lost. Number two, salvation is not by works, but it's by faith. And what is the third thing? Salvation is by faith to those who believe. To those who believe. But, but faith in what? Faith in what? It's a good question. Faith in the gospel. Because you can believe in anything and you say, yeah, I'm a child of God. You, you know what I hear so often? You meet somebody and you start talking and they can hear that you're a child of God. You speak, you know, something or you say, you say to somebody, God bless them. They say, oh, you're a Christian as well. You say, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian as well. And you know what they start telling you? They start telling you about their church. You know what they've got? They've got faith in their membership of their church. That brings you nowhere. It is faith in the gospel. Faith in the gospel. And again, you need to understand what the gospel is. If I come to you and I ask you, if I say, are you a child of God? And you say, yes, I'm a Christian. And I ask you, what is the gospel? What are you going to say? What are you going to say? What is the gospel? If you can't answer that question, then you've got faith in what? Faith in what? Oh, you know what? When I grew up, my mom and dad went to church. And they were really good people of church, you know. And then I just went because they went. That's why I went to church. And now I'm just going. It's a habit. So you've got faith in a habit. And again, I must, I must honestly tell you this morning that you're not saved. If you've got faith in a habit, then you're not saved. Oh, but we belong to this church group. And you know, as a baby, I was baptized as a baby. Now I'm part of that church group. So you've got faith in what? In the baptism of a church group? Let me tell you again. Sorry to say. But glad to say because you might be saved. You've got faith then in what? Brother and sister, there's only one faith we need to have and it's faith in the gospel. So you might ask, what is the gospel then, preacher? What is it? We find in Romans chapter 10 verse 16, he says, but they not all obeyed the gospel. Again, you see the word gospel is so important now. For Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So faith then cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God. So if you want to understand what the gospel is, come to the word of God. Come to church. Come to church. 
Come listen to the messages because it builds your faith. The Bible teaches us to put your faith in the gospel. Now, let's go back to 1 John. He says it there. Remember when we started off 1 John chapter 5 verse 13. These things I have written unto you that believe. What things? You see what John was writing to us right through his gospels, right through the letters. He was writing to us the gospel. That is what he was giving us, the gospel. Let me show it to you. 1 John chapter 9. He says, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For that is the witness of God which we have testified His Son. Look at verse 10. He who believes in the Son of God has witness in Himself. Underline it in your Bible if you've got it open. Where will you have witness? When you come to me and you say, Preacher, I don't know whether I'm saved or not. Let me tell you, if you've got the knowledge of salvation, if God saved your soul, what He's going to do, He's going to put the witness in you. What is it called? The Holy Spirit. That is what it's called. So how did He put the witness in you? He put the Holy Spirit within you to witness to you that you are saved. Is that making sense? That's the knowledge you need to gain. He who does not believe has not made, he has made God a liar. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and that his life is in his son. He who has the son has life and he who does not have the son does not have life. I've got one more scripture verse and then we'll go. Two. You know if I say one scripture verse is two. (laughs) <laughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 1 this is the gospel this is what Paul writes to the Corinthians what is the gospel and if you don't know this gospel look I'm reading you a verse I can go way deeper than this I can keep you here for two days talking about the gospel this is the important he says in 1 Corinthians 15 1 moreover brethren and sisters okay I just want to throw that in that's all of us He says, I declare to you the gospel. Everybody say the gospel. Which I preach to you. Which also you received and in which you stand. You see, that's important. You need to receive the gospel and you need to stand in it. You see, there's a preaching that can go on and I can preach until I'm blue in the face, but if you're not going to receive it and stand in it, you've got nothing. Okay, so you need to receive it. And you need to stand in the gospel. He says, this is the gospel by which you were saved. So the gospel saves. If you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believe in vain. For I deliver it to you first of all. This is the gospel. Which I also received. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. What is one of the things that you need to understand? That you are lost. And if you're lost, you need a savior. Who is that savior? Jesus Christ. He came and He died for your sins according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried. He didn't escape. He was buried. Okay, so that means finality. And that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Wow. You're serving a living Christ. That's the Gospel. Now, if you go to Romans, and again, I say two verses, and now these verses just starting coming up in my head, and I'll just pat them back because I know. 
But if you go into Romans chapter 10, he says, if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart that Jesus Christ, you will be saved. This is important, brother and sister. 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Romans chapter 8 verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Let me rewind quickly. He who believes in the Son of God as witness in himself. You see that? He who believes as wit of God as witness in himself. And here we find in Romans 8 verse 16, he says, The Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the question this morning is, while well, somebody call my beautiful wife, the question is, can I know that I'm saved? The answer is yes. You know there's some churches who say, no, you can't. You can't know. You just continue on and one day you'll find it out. God doesn't surprise us. No, no, He's given us this path. He's given us the Word. We study the Word. Now, I want to say, if you sit here this morning and you say, Preacher, that's the first time in my life that somebody was talking about me that I'm lost, that I've got sin. What do I do with the sin? You bring it to the Savior. You bring it to the Savior. Brother and sister, I'm telling you, I'm standing here today and I can tell you when I was born. On my driver's license, if I take it out of my wallet, I give it to you and you can see when I was born. 26th of August, 19 something. <laughs> but then Jesus talks about being born again. Now I'm asking you, when were you born again? You say, well, roughly. I say, that's fine enough. 16 September 1990, the Lord saved my soul. On 16 September 1990, I sat before Him, and the guilt of sin grabbed my heart. It cut my heart, and I cried out to God. I said, Lord, this man will not see eternity with you. When I die, I'll be lost. And on that 16th of September, the Lord came down and He saved my soul. You ask me today, do you know that you are saved? Yes, I know. Why? Because the Bible tells me so. I've got the knowledge of, of sin. I've got the knowledge of salvation. Does it make me better than you? No. It's by the grace of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank You for Your Word this morning. I thank You for this Word, Father. It is a serious word because it deals with our salvation, eternity. And Father, I thank you for the hearers that's in this room today. Now I know, Father, that you direct footpaths, footsteps. And I know that every person, whether they are visitors here this morning or whether they are regulars here this morning, I know that every person had to be in this building today and listen to this message. And I pray, Lord, as your Holy Spirit will go from heart to heart and convict people with this message, I just pray, Lord, that you have pity on the soul and, Father, that your Holy Spirit guide away. Father, for, for, for when people cry out to you, that you will come and save their souls. Because the Bible says that you came to seek and to find those who are lost. I just pray for everybody here this morning, including myself, Lord, 
Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Strengthen us, Lord. 